This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Stacey, that's her music. We're back. And it's still kind of daylight outside. I know. It's nice. It is nice. It's light out until like 9 o'clock now. That's... I don't believe you. I never leave this building before, like... <laughs> and we don't have windows in here. People yeah. behind the curtain for people. It's like being in a casino. Yeah, you we never get tired. Clocks. We do have clocks. We have to stick to those. Do they not have clocks in casinos? No, because they don't want you to know what time it is. They don't want you to oh, know... Oh, that's tricky, tricky, to, tricky. To ...when to leave. But uh, this is Seattle Sports at Night. We don't want you leaving. We don't want you to know when to leave. Because we want you around for the next two hours here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Shout out to you for joining us. It's It's been a minute. We we took a... You and Jake Heaps were filling in all over the place last week. Yes. I took a vacation. So that's why we didn't have any Seattle sports at night. Yeah, usually if you hear us earlier in the day, just with the way everyone's schedule works, it usually means we uh, we can't fill in in the evening for our regular sports at night. So... Just as a heads up for folks, but you can hear Jake still on our 710 podcast page. You can. During all those shows. Absolutely. And, and uh, yours truly. And now you, you're probably wondering where Jake is tonight, because a lot of times when we're I'm on not. at 7, you're not. Okay. Well, for those of you who are wondering where Jake is, he just had to hit us with a text on Monday, what is it, Sunday night or Monday morning saying, Hey guys, uh, Russell Wilson needs me to help train him. I yeah. mean, uh, the sorriest excuse I've ever heard. Posting videos to Instagram. Yeah. Saw Russell Wilson post a video of uh, him throwing for his uh, stepson future. And then you can hear Jake in the background. And I'm like, why doesn't Jake take us on family trips? Like, yeah. all of it just kind of hurts. I'd like to go to Cabo. I mean, with Jake. Here's the thing. I mean, I feel like we keep hinting at Jake that we'd love to yeah. go on his family vacations, uh, and uh, and we haven't yet. So hmm. I don't know that wanting to go to Cabo is going to get you anywhere, Curtis. That's true. I won a million dollars, and I certainly don't have that either. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you know, just saying, Jake, we're here. You're not. Do the math. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we want you checking in on the Coors Light text line, 710-710, the 206. They say they're reporting for duty from San Diego. Good to have you in here, 206. Uh, Stacy, let's 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 not waste any more time. Let's, let's check out what is on tonight's timeline. And it began last night around probably 5 or 6 o'clock. The news coming out about the NHL Seattle franchise making their first significant front office hire Mm -hmm. and they have pinpointed ex-Carolina Hurricanes general manager and Hockey Hall of Famer one of the best players in league history, Ron Francis will be the team's first ever general manager. An announcement is expected to be be made tomorrow at 10am they're having a live web stream on the team website Facebook Live Uh, they announced it on their team social media page tonight so uh expect that to go down tomorrow at 10 a.m they're also having a like a get together at henry's tavern and they said a special guest will be there i I wouldn't get that invite wow wow not only are you not going to cabo you're not wow 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 uh can you imagine if jake was there 
It, it, yeah, it's like, Swings what, in. what the heck, man? What? Wait, How? why are you always at places we don't get invited to? Jake probably gets invited to the coolest places, and he probably, oh, has, to sure. turn, he probably has to turn it down because he gets invited to Jake so gets places. invited to the coolest places and shows up in sweatpants. Yeah, and athle- athleisure. Athleisure is his lifestyle. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I got to be honest. I'm a little bit I jealous. I would I love to show up everywhere in sweats. And... I actually showed up in sweats today. You did, but that's because you came from Brock Heward's football camp. I so know. that's a little more excusable. No, I went home and changed into different sweats. Oh, okay. So you went from sweats <laughs> to other sweats. Do you like the the reported hire? I do. Yeah. I don't I know do. how you couldn't. I absolutely do because you look at the Carolina Hurricanes right now. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. It was their first season without Francis as their GM as he uh, as he was fired. And in the NHL, hirings and firings happen a lot. Mm-hmm. And here's what you need to know about the Carolina Hurricanes and their management. Uh-huh. Remember the AAF? Remember their, yes. uh, the Do I the, remember the AAF? Remember the guy who was their big main investor? Investor, yes. Tom Dundon? Uh-huh. He owns the Carolina Hurricanes. Ooh. And I can't imagine he's an easy guy to work for. Because no, he pulled the plug not. on the AAF with reckless abandon and uh, pulled the plug on Ron Francis as their general manager. But he did put forth a, a pretty good foundation for them to build on. Yeah. Uh, the Hurricanes are kind of known throughout the uh, NHL world as, quote, a bunch of jerks, which is uh, it, it, it sounds bad, but that's actually a very. Uh, it's not the worst reputation you can no, have. No, it's not a. It's. It's it's an endearing term actually yeah. because they're a team that a lot of people like, but for whatever reason, a lot of like old Love school NHL minds are like, oh, you can't have fun out I there. I usually like a team if an old school mindset hates it. Yeah, so that's what we're that's what you can expect with a Ron Francis led team. So I'm excited I'm for down. it. It's a name for sure that's going to resonate throughout the NHL world. Uh, I'm down for it as well. Mariners lose today 10-2. to They lose all five games on their road trip. And they head home, though, for 10. And Edgar Martinez gets inducted into the Hall of Fame this weekend. There's still some good news for Mariners fans out there. It just probably doesn't have anything to do with what they're seeing on the field. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're, you know, there's a couple of promotions throughout the minor leagues. Cal Raleigh, Logan Gilbert, they're up to double A now. So. Can I tell you Brent Stecker, who's the editor for 710sports.com? Please tell me. Uh has gotten really fired up about this. Okay. He is getting super fired up about how mad Mariners fans are getting. Mm. Because he thinks that, well, first of all, he says the 13-2 and two start was maybe the worst thing to happen because it made people change their expectations for the team very quickly. Yes. And it is really, really, it's hard to adjust to watching a team for development purposes. Like, it's just hard to do that in general. It's extra hard to adjust from watching a team that's really good for for a couple weeks into watching a team that's not. Yes. So, he, uh, yeah, he maintains that, like, if you're a true baseball fan, like, this season's still really interesting. It so, is. I mean, I'm having fun watching these guys develop and, and who's going to be, you know, the next big star or maybe somebody that can uh, – you know, go out and make some noise in, in baseball. But you look at the Mariners, a third of their wins this season came in the season's first two weeks. It's just <laughs> bad. Like, I, I'm, I don't know. I don't feel that way. Like, I don't know that I agree with you and Brent on that. I think as yeah. someone who doesn't cover it regularly, that's true. you watch it specifically to kind of 
see what's happening in like a daily check-in basis. Mm -hmm. And when you do it on that level, it's not as fun. Well, we're daily checking in on the Seahawks now because if you've listened to this station at all, you know there's a countdown going on. Eight days till training camp. Well, today the entire rookie class showed up, and it seems like half the rookie class was promptly placed on the PUP list. Right. We've got Marquise Blair, Ben Burkirvin, who I saw at Disneyland. He was riding the Matterhorn. Stop bragging. Just throwing that out there. Shout out to Ben Burkirvin. Uh, Demarcus Christmas, the defensive tackle, and then guard Phil Haynes uh, from Wake Forest. So four guys placed on the PUP list. This PUP list, not the one that forces you to miss the first six Mm -hmm. games of the season. That one's at the end of the preseason. Yeah, this is specifically a preseason PUP list, and players can be activated off of it at any time. They don't have to wait for a certain period of time. And they also count toward the 90-man roster still. So this isn't a way to like make room. It's just a way... I would assume that if they need to put them on a regular season PUP list, they can still do that. And they also, you can't add anyone to this list once training camp starts, which is in a week from tomorrow. So it's either now or never if you're not quite sure uh, what a player's recovery timeline is going to be. It is a little interesting, though, because if I remember correctly, Phil Haynes... I don't remember him being injured during minicamp. No. Uh, And he was filling in for an injured Mikey Potty. Uh, DeMarcus Christmas, um, another guy that I don't quite remember. Ben Burkirvin and Marquise Blair both sat out, but Pete Carroll sounded at the time pretty optimistic that they would return. I remember Pete Carroll saying that the three longest timelines were Ziggy Ansah, Will Disley and Demetrius Knox. Those were the three long timelines of players where they're like, we aren't even going to kind of assign them publicly a timeline right now because we're not rushing them back. They've got serious stuff they're recovering from. And uh, Knox was also placed on a on a separate list, one not the PUP list, yeah. but uh, another kind of injury list. Also in the NFL, three more teams reported for camp. You've got the Ravens. They've reported the Broncos, who will play in the Hall of Fame game, and the Cardinals. They've all reported for camp. Uh, they're ready to go. I mean, the Hall of Fame game, I think, is in like it's in like two weeks. Coming up. That's wild. It's really weird. It makes it. It's. Does it feel like it's? No. It's. It's impossible to say it's gone by too fast because. The offseason? Yeah. You know what it is? Is that in Seattle in particular, it's just been so rainy and gross that it hasn't felt like summer's really started. Summer has not gotten So when you hear that the Hall of Fame game is coming up and that training camp is coming up, which I always associate with August and September, Mm -hmm. then I just think summer's over. But it's, it's, I know, we're waiting on summer to get here. It needs to get here. It's about to get here, Curtis. It's going to be like 80 degrees on Sunday. Oh, I need that. What also I need is a couple other of these things on, on the timeline tonight. Did you see that there is now fan fiction out there about Bill Walton and his broadcast partner, Dave Pash? Unexpected. Published fan fiction. Can I do a dramatic reading? If we can get our hands on a copy. I will do a dramatic reading. We will read it cover to cover on an episode. This of is just Seattle the rest Sports of the tonight. show. Yeah, that's all we do. We're scrapping the whole show. Yes. If we can find that during the break, that's it. Yeah, I believe the fan fiction of Bill Walton and his broadcast partner, Dave Pesh, is set in Seattle. So I like that. There's a local tie-in. Exactly. And then also, did you watch Making the Band in the early part of the 2000s? Not a ton, but I did listen to Danity Kane. It was Was, appointment viewing. You got DeBand, Day 26, and then Danity Kane. DeBand, clearly the greatest of the three. 
Well, for those who are uh, like myself, it's making its return to television in 2020 with Diddy as the host. I mean, it's it, a, it doesn't get any better than it this. It doesn't. It's a it's a 2000s show, early 2000s show that works for a remake. There are other shows like Pimp My Ride that don't yeah. work for a remake. Because no. who needs like a grill in your car Who anymore? needs a, a toaster in your no trunk? No one needs that anymore. No one needs that. Put that back, exhibit X to the Z. Coming up in this hour... We've got four down territory at 745 for the biggest questions in football, including who was the MVP of Brock Ewart's football camp today. That's coming up at 745. But up next, ESPN ranked every single NFL team, as you kind of do this time of season, but they ranked them for seasons in the future. Which team is best set up for years down the road, and where do the Seahawks fall on that list? We talk about that next. Curtis Rogers and Stacy Ross, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Coors Light text line 710-710. They've got some some Jake Slander going on. Talking about talking about how he wore shoes and socks on the beach. Stop. He that did. was about Jake. I saw yeah. that and I didn't know what it was about from the from the 206 and it was. shoes and socks on the beach. <gasps> Do you think he wore sandals too? Mm, socks or was and it socks on the, and shoes? It was socks in shoes on oh, the beach. And Jake. Jake on his Instagram posted a picture of him spiking a volleyball yeah. while in socks and shoes. I am mortified. Yeah. Like, I don't care if your tan line for your sock is like massive ditch the shoes and socks when you're in the sand it just thinking about it it's not even a style choice it's thinking about how much sand is getting stuck in your socks that just really perturbs me yeah thinking of sand not only in your socks but another layer of sand in your shoes jake we're here to help you out where's where was brooke in that moment that's what happens when when jake's not around brooke right other all of a sudden everything just falls apart yeah jake's wearing socks and shoes on the beach brooke leaves for one second and now he's just a full like dad mode (laughs) that is a very dad move very that's that's dad jake i hope dad jake i hope jake like has new balance shoes yeah and like costco jeans he ditches the nike he was like standing nike super hard Uh we were uh we were filling in for brock and salk so we were talking about the new adidas jerseys yeah and i was like why do you like nike so much and he was like because it's nike yeah and i was like all right fair but this is i mean this is a New Balance lifestyle he's living yeah, right now. Yeah, Jake is going to have a fanny this pack. It's not a Nike lifestyle. No, it's not. It's very dad. He's got the dad aesthetic down. Dad Jake, I'm I'm for it. I'm here for it. But I, I tell him to proceed with caution. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, it's not a show with the two of us if we don't make fun of Jake. No, it, it's, it absolutely isn't. Uh, that doesn't mean you're allowed to make fun of him out there. Just Stacy and I, okay? Yeah, no one else can. Yeah, it's like uh, you know, when someone makes fun of your siblings, like, hey, that's my job. Back off. Right. There we go. Uh, future power rankings from ESPN. They have gone through all 32 teams and have ranked which teams are set up for success the best over the course of the next few seasons. Now, it, it, there are some interesting teams on this ranking in terms of where they are ranked. Number one overall 
if I didn't write it down on our note sheet tonight, Stacy, yeah, would you have been able to guess that the Indianapolis Colts are number one on ESPN's future power rankings? Maybe not number one, but I would have guessed top five. Because they have such an ideal cap situation. They've got a franchise quarterback. Well, they have a GM that just won executive of the year who just drafted two rookies who both became first-team All-Pros. Like, I think that there's a, a big spotlight in a good way on Indy right now. The fact that they were able to turn it around under Chris Ballard and that they were able – they have a healthy Andrew Luck, presumably for the time being. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. that Indy was seen as a team that was uh, – up and coming before the Browns were hip and cool before it was cool to like the Browns this year. It was cool <laughs> to like Indy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Indy was that indie pick. It was. You know, they, they weren't so mainstream, but now they, now they're mainstream. So I could buy it. And, and I, I don't disagree with it. Like I, I do agree. I think that they're in a situation where anytime you have a GM that it doesn't seem like has made a big mistake yet. Like he's still very much in good graces. He's made good calls so far. I think that there's a level of, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a continuity. Mm. That's not the word I'm looking for, or a real word. But that's continuity. what it is. Yes. And, and do you like how no, I just, you sure it's not continuity? Do you like how I just nodded and you agreed said, with uh-huh. you? And it was just like, yep, that's I it. I majored in English. There, there we go. <laughs> oh, so man. number two on the list. This one really stood out to me because their quarterback situation now, the best in the NFL. Right. We don't know what it's going to look like next year or the year after that or the year after that. We're talking about the New England Patriots. Right. I think their talent level currently probably still the best in the NFL, but we don't know how much longer Tom Brady has. He says he wants to play till he's 45. He's going to be, I think, 42, 43 coming up soon. It lines up with about the end of his deal. It does. So I just I don't know if the Patriots are – the second best team in the NFL when you look two, three years down the road? I don't know about second best, but again, I think it has to do with one thing that, with the exception of Eagles and Chiefs, which, spoiler alert, I'm sorry, Curtis, there are two teams on this list yet to be named who you can see the excitement around them because they have young quarterbacks who like have yet to like hit their ceiling, still have a lot to bring. I think with the other teams on this list, there is an understanding of like a good coach, good front office situation, which I think for people, even knowing that Tom Brady is aging, it's like they still have Belichick. You know what I mean? They still have a really great coaching staff. And yeah, they're going to lose folks every year because people are going to want to take someone from that coaching staff. But I think that there's this stability that that is the reason when I look at the top five teams, I can I feel like that's a common denominator. You look at teams three and four, Eagles and Chiefs. The Eagles just won a Super Bowl. The Chiefs were a D Ford false start away from going to the Super Bowl. Oh, and you've got two young quarterbacks. Carson Wentz, had he not gotten hurt two seasons ago, probably would have been league MVP. Pat Mahomes was league MVP a year ago. I, I agree with those two teams as I do being too at least in the top five where well, they made interesting additions too. like the yeah. chiefs now have Frank Clark. So it's like you have a really great situation and as they, an edge rusher. And they didn't lose a step at all no. after they cut Kareem hunt. Yep. And they've got Travis Kelsey, probably the best tight end in football. Now with Gronk out. Uh, well, still kettle and Sam. That's true. George Kittle. He's there as but well. He's young. Yeah. 
Now, team number five, I think this is a team that uh, has a lot of interest to our listener base, and that is the Seattle Seahawks. They have the Seahawks as the fifth best team set up for the future, uh, according to ESPN's future power rankings. And here's the reasoning written by Field Yates, ESPN NFL insider. He says, GM John Schneider and Coach Pete Carroll retooled terrifically on the fly as the Seahawks made the playoffs yet again in 2018, despite seeing several key veterans depart via free agency release, retirement, and trade. That bodes well moving forward, as does the extension for quarterback Russell Wilson, who has MVP caliber ability. What's clear in Seattle is that the personnel and coaching staffs are in lockstep in terms of identifying the types of players they need to win. Nothing is guaranteed in the NFL, but that kind of continuity goes a long way in helping Seattle stay in the NFC West mix. I look at the Seahawks as they set up for the future. I agree that they are in the top five of teams with the best momentum going forward towards the future. My biggest questions for the Seahawks as they move forward, though, I think it's more on the personnel side than it is on the the player side, where Pete Carroll signed, what, a two-year extension mm-hmm. this last year, which would take him through the 2021 season. Does he want to coach beyond that? Right. John Schneider. Would he want to remain the Seahawks general manager Without if Pete Carroll's Carroll. there? Or you know, or what if another team tries to lure John Schneider away? I think those are the biggest question marks I have for the Seahawks. And if they're able to sustain all of this going forward beyond when their contracts, when Pete Carroll and John Schneider's contracts run out. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, John Schneider doesn't get another deal, but with Pete Carroll, you know, being the oldest coach in the NFL, and he's been the oldest coach in the NFL for a while now. I think it's fair to question whether or not he's going to be in Seattle beyond that contract uh, after 2021. How old will he be in 2021? I think he'll be about 67 years old. Really? Yeah. I feel like he'll be older than that. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought he just turned 66. He is, Oh, he is 67 right now, so he'll be 69. He's actually aged. He's going to Benjamin Button. Yeah. He's going to be 64. He's going to reverse face app like everybody did yesterday. Right, right. Um, that's interesting, Curtis. I hadn't thought about that because I was here thinking, well, I think a lot of folks are impressed with what they've been able to do in two years since they lost so many stars, on, especially on the defense. But I hadn't thought about – I was more focused on like, okay, it, are their investments going to pan out? Like, is their secondary going to pan out? Um, are these new guys that they've brought in going to pay off? Are you going to have a situation where you you traded away a star defensive end to bring in a ton of young talent? If none of them work out, you just took one step forward and yeah. like three steps back. So I was paying attention to a lot of that, and I do think a lot of that is a fair question, but I hadn't thought about the Schneider-Carroll situation. Carroll is like kind of a young old coach though yes he is i mean he's running around he was literally running in and out of the huddle at minicamp he would be that dad on like father's weekend at college that's still like trying to do keg stands (laughs) (laughs) it's like okay this is like it's cool to have him around he's a cool dad but right yeah that's how i see him yeah i mean that's the thing i mean he's he stays healthy. He's got that plant-based diet. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I think it's more 
I think it would be less of an age thing and more of a where are the Seahawks as a team? Do they still do Schneider and Carroll still have a lot of power over the direction this team moves in? I think so. I think they took a lot of steps within the last couple of seasons to reassert that power because I think there was maybe a shift in the power when you had guys like Bennett and Sherman still here. Yeah. And I think now with these moves that they've made over the last couple of seasons, they've really regained control of the locker room and they've really kind of regained control of, of how this ship is, is going to be steered. The rest of the NFC West, the Rams ranked eighth in this. Now, that's a very respectable ranking, but it's not as high as the Seahawks. You look at the two teams head-to-head, you've got a young quarterback in Jared Goff, a young running back in Todd Gurley, but Gurley has his injury concerns. Mm-hmm. The best defensive player in football arguably Aaron Donald, probably Aaron Donald or Khalil Mack, one of the two. When you look at the two teams head-to-head right now, and you got Sean McVay, who's got a lot of youth on his side, which team do you think is better set up for the future? Between Seattle and the Rams? Yes. I lean toward the Rams, but I think with the Rams, they haven't had a huge misstep yet, with the exception of just kind of a subpar Super Bowl performance. And I think people are waiting for it to happen. I think that when you had you have a young head coach, people are waiting for him to mess up and to kind of have his age be a negative for him, which hasn't really happened yet. He's so far been really innovative and a really effective head coach. Last year when you saw them bring in a ton of uh, free agents who were big personalities, people were expecting all of those guys to clash and there to be some locker room drama, and there wasn't. They ended up going to a Super Bowl. So I think a lot of the concerns that people have around the Rams just stem from NFL trends that we see all the time that with the exception of the New England Patriots there hasn't been a franchise that's been able to successfully keep a window open for a long time like there's a reason we talk about a window opening and a window closing and so I think I think they probably look at that and they think well you're gonna have to really pay Jared Goff it's like the Cowboys having to pay both Dak and Zeke Elliott like you're going to have to to pay a lot of guys pretty soon. Got to open up the pocketbook. It's going to make it a lot tougher to make those free agency splashes the way the Rams did a year ago. Coming up in just over 15 minutes, it'll be time for four down territory of the position previews that Stacy has gone through. Which one has been the toughest? We'll get through that uh, in four down territory. But coming up next, 18 game schedule in the NFL. It feels like it could be inevitable at this point. So are we okay with that? Well, how do we see it shaking out? That's next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. A couple of housekeeping items, Stacey. Mm-hmm. This is news that probably should have been on the timeline, but it wasn't. Uh, first off, the Everett Aqua Sox. Uh, their interim manager now, his name's Lewis Boyd, which, you know, that's cool, whatever. Did you know that he's only 25 years old? Like, are you a thousand percent positive? I'm one million percent positive because I went to school with him at Arizona. And you were older then. Yeah. How's that feel? Because normally that's how I feel. I, I'm three years older than this guy. And he is now the manager of the Everett Aquasox. He's 25 years old. The worst age you hit, and you hit this age when you're still really young, is when most people uh, 
it feels like are younger than you when you're reading about like shock and awe kind of stories. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I've, right now, like Sean McVay is older than me. He's still really young, but you're like, I don't know. Maybe I could be a head coach. Who knows? I've got a couple years. <laughs> like 25? That's so no, young. He's that a, ship has sailed. He's a he's a baby. Like he he's does he even shave? Like that's that's wild. And then another thing. Now well, he's a former shortstop. Yeah, former shortstop for the Arizona Wildcats, and he played I think a couple of seasons in the Mariners farm system. But now he is their interim 25 manager. Twenty five years old. Twenty five. So he was born in two thousand fourteen. Yeah, he's yeah he's just a, a a baby, a wee lad. Another thing, Damian Lillard, who hit the one of the best shots, at least in this city's basketball history, even though he wasn't playing for Seattle, but he eliminated Oklahoma City from the playoffs in the second round this last year with that 37-foot dagger. And then Oklahoma City now has had to retool their entire team, mm-hmm. trading away Russell Westbrook, trading away Paul George. He was on the a sports business podcast and was asked about that shot, and uh, here is what Damian Lillard had to say. You, you kind of changed the fortune of a franchise with that uh, that shot. Uh, last question. What can I say? That was <laughs> that was for Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dame. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm not mad at that. Uh, shout out to Damian Lillard. Absolutely. Holding it down for the 206. I mean, I, mean, I think it it's a... Uh... Cherry on top for all the Seattle fans who have been watching with glee as all of this goes down in OKC, like our yes. own Danny O'Neill. Oh, Getting man. in Twitter fights. He was getting in Twitter fights on the way to the airport toward as he was going on vacation. I almost tweeted out that my weekend mood was, I'm not kidding, I was sitting on my couch, I had the TV on but it was muted, and I was eating chips just straight out of the bag. And on my phone, scrolling through Twitter and all of Danny's Twitter fights. And I was just looking at all the replies and yeah. going through everything. That was what I did for a good 30 minutes it on is, Saturday. It is impressive the way Danny can like get under the skin of people. It's it's a master well, class. Well, I think in right now a lot it. of OKC fans are getting a little defensive and being like, well, this sucks. <laughs> like, yes. why are you taking joy in us struggling? And I think Danny and any other Sonics fan is fair to say, I'm always going to be mad. I'm going to be mad forever. It's not going to stop. I know it's not your fault, but sorry, man. You're collateral damage. Exactly. It's, it's Don't hate the player, hate the game. Uh, you can listen to Seattle Sports Tonight on the 710 Sports app. It is driven by your Puget Sound Acura dealer. Four down territory coming up in just a matter of moments. But the NFL marching towards a new CBA agreement. Uh, apparently both sides met today. And by the sounds of it, it sounds like the negotiations went well, but nothing came of it. There's going to be another phase of negotiations at the end of this month, and maybe something will come of it from there. Uh, But when we hear about the posturing between the players' union and the owners, every every single time the CBA is up, 18-game proposals always get tossed out there. It it seems like it's just a, a thing that may inevitably happen. Yeah. And I think the players' union is is at a point in which – I think the owners are actually at a point in which they're willing to concede a few things to the players. But it's things in the grand scheme that probably aren't, like, game-breaking decisions. Well, I think they're probably things that aren't economic things. Like, they're no. willing to concede stuff on drug testing – 
um, but maybe not on the percentage of revenue that players can take, which would be like an economic mm-hmm. concession. And so because of that, I think the players' union may end up conceding the 18-game thing because they've just held out for it for so long. I think if they can convert two preseason games into regular season games, that might be a better way of going about it. I just hate this idea so much. I do too. Not just for the sake of hating it, but because I think it's kind of a cop-out as a way to get more revenue instead of finding a way to divvy up the revenue in a more effective and fair way. What I hate about this is the 16-game maximum for players in an 18-game schedule. Because let's say you're a fan and you're dying to go to a game and say you're a Seahawks fan, right? You're dying to go to a game. Yep. You've spent your entire paycheck on great seats because you know, you want to talk give... a couple hundred bucks for like a, a game. Yeah. For like to. a 100 level seat. And you, you spend that and comes out a couple days before the game that Geno Smith is going to be starting quarterback or Paxton Lynch. Or Paxton Lynch. One of the two is going to be Gino starting Smith. quarterback. Yeah, it better be Geno Smith. Uh, that one of those two is going to be starting quarterback because Russell Wilson has to have one of his mandatory rest games. And that, to me, just yeah. seems like such a slap in the face to the fans because a big reason why these fans come out to games is to mm-hmm. see superstar athletes play. And it's to root for guys who, you know, are, are your favorite players and it, it, they're not coming out solely for the team itself. I mean, there are fans out there that are Seahawks fans regardless and they're NFL fans regardless, but yeah. I know if I'm going to a game, I want to go like, if I'm a fan, if I'm paying my money, I want the best players out on the field, mm-hmm. not guys who are clearly backups and only in there to satisfy this mandatory rest. Well, and what does it tell the other team too? Like, hey, we put in a couple, like, second-team dudes against you because clearly we don't think you're worth our starting quarterback. And also, I just feel like this, more than anything, highlights the lack of care that owners have at all for fans. It's never about fans. It's about getting more revenue so you can update your stadiums and have the shiniest new thing. That's what all this comes down to. It's like if the biggest thing that they're fighting over in the CBA is stadium credits and and how much they can take off the top, then that to me is all this is. It's trying to get an extra $2 billion in revenue, and it has nothing to do with the fan experience. Yeah. Because this doesn't really help anyone. Danny, Dave, and Moore, and Jess were talking about this earlier today, how it would mess up uh, even like gambling, which has become a big thing. Think of fantasy football implications. I know these sound like little things, but those are still multi-million dollar yeah, right and the now. NFL gets a chunk of money from fantasy football. They have their own fantasy football service on their website. Yeah. And gambling, uh, you know, like Caesars Palace, I think, or it's MGM has a deal with the NFL. Yeah, it's just to me such just a fulfillment for random billionaire owners that want to make more money. Yeah. It does nothing for the league. It doesn't make the game better at all. No, it doesn't. It definitely makes it worse because – you're having two weeks where the best of the best aren't playing. And it's not just two weeks dedicated out of the season. It it could potentially be every week that a superstar player is sitting out for a bogus reason. Uh-huh. Like, that's just how the schedule will set up. Like, and to me, when I watch the NFL, like, I'm – there's been discussions about the quality of play not being as up to par as it's been in years past. I think those 
those conversations get have get had every single season. Well, you're clearly not going to have gameplay up to par and, and what it's been in years past if you're missing the league's best players just for no other reason than to sit them down. Yeah, and from the 425, aren't stadium upgrades related to fan experience? Yes, they totally are, but at the expense of what? Yeah. Like at the expense of a handful of games out of the year that that feel you're like willing, they don't matter as much? You're willing to punt on two games just so that you can have better cup holders or padded seats. Like that's what that's what it's that's the trade off here. I think most fans would rather have every single game matter. Yeah, and I think this isn't popular with players that I've read about, anyways. I mean, obviously, I'm not in those negotiations, so there are some benefits. Like bigger rosters would mean more guys get jobs, and that's always great news. But I, I think this is something that the owners just keep putting out there to test the waters and see at what point will the public start to kind of like this idea. I I bet they just continue to do it until the public is worn down on it, and they just say uncle and say get it over with. Put eighteen games. I don't care. Just stop these conversations. I wonder if they're waiting for it to get like that because the NFL does that. They did it with the past interference thing until they did kind of come to an agreement this uh-huh. off season on expanding it, but. The aftermath of the NFC Championship game, there was so much outcry between the Rams and, and the Saints and just NFL fans all over the place. And then it got really quiet after the Super Bowl. And it got really quiet, and the NFL just kind of let it go away and let it go away. And then they quietly said, okay, yeah, we'll we'll increase replay just a little bit. Just a little bit. You mean to- after this most recent season? Yeah. I don't think it was that quiet, though. In the aftermath of the Super Bowl, or like maybe the in the af- aftermath of the Super Bowl, but like when the they had the when they had uh, Roger Goodell's press conference, it was one of the first things he was asked at the uh, at the Super Bowl. Uh, or yes, at the actually, combine. that was at the Super Bowl. Yes, I'm talking about like the combine and the draft. Like people didn't focus on the NFC Championship game, even though it may have been the biggest headline in the NFL of the year. Yeah. Yeah. It was probably the biggest story in the NFL, and it just kind of went by the wayside months after the fact. I think the NFL loves doing that with the public, letting them tire themselves out, talking about it and talking about it and talking about it, and then it becomes a nothing issue, and they're able to do whatever it is that they want after the public has completely exhausted themselves on on these kinds of topics. That's fair, Curtis. Thank you. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's just one man's opinion. We're all we're all able to have opinions. And coming up next here on Seattle Sports at night. I was about to say Seattle Sports Saturday, but it's Seattle Sports at night. Really, Curtis? I know. I get my I get my shows mixed up. I, I mixed up wow. a couple weeks ago Seattle Sports Saturday for Seattle Sports at night. So I think it's only right that I've balanced it out now. That's true. Okay, then that's fair. Four down territory, four of the biggest questions coming your way next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, 710 ESPN Seattle. This this is four down territory on Seattle Sports at Night. You got to dig deep, deep, deep. Four downs, four questions, four opportunities. Put seven on the board before we head into the break. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross. Seahawks insider Stacy Ross with you. Let's get into four down territory. Number one. Fill in the blank, Stacy. Okay. Oh, I like these games. Yeah. Any word can go here. <laughs> with Marquise Blair on the pup list, 
The pressure is on for... See, I was going to shout out a random word just for fun, and I couldn't think of one. Dragons. Dragons. Uh, I am going to say Delano Hill. In fact, Delano Hill and Bradley McDougald. I think that that's the combination this team was kind of interested in toward the end of the season before Delano Hill had that hip injury. But it almost looked like it would be Bradley McDougald starting at free safety, Delano Hill at strong safety. And Delano Hill missed uh, the offseason training so far, still recovering from that hip injury. So he hasn't really been in the mix. But him and Tedrick Thompson are going to have to have some big off-seasons. And I think that this is, you don't ever want to say a player injury is good news for another player, but I do think it gives Delano Hill that shot to start opposite Bradley McDougald. And then, obviously, there's not pressure on Bradley McDougald because he's proven himself as a regular contributor to this team, but you certainly want to see some kind of regular competitive safety tandem established there. Number two. Second down coming up at the start of the 8 o'clock hour. We're going to look at Stacy's offensive line preview. Stacy, you've been previewing every position group for the Seahawks on 710sports.com. Mm-hmm. Well, I've only done two so far. You're going to do it. I'm going to do everyone. Of the two you've done so far, which has been the toughest? Well, actually, it's the one I'm writing today. Ooh. I'm a little bit into it. I've still got to finish it before we publish it tomorrow morning, but it's on the secondary as a whole. So cornerbacks and safeties. There's just so many questions. So for the defensive line, I felt like the biggest question was the most obvious, which is who's going to fill in at Clark's spot. If you've got LJ Collier on the other side, at kind of that five tech, then do you have Ziggy Ansah, who might not be healthy for the first couple weeks? Do you have Cassius Marsh? Do you have someone like Jacob Martin stepping up? Who's filling in that role? And, and there are other questions there, but that seemed like the biggest and most pressing to me. With the offensive line, it was who can stay healthy. With the secondary, it's there's still starting roles to be figured out. I think that's the thing. There's there's some regular contributors and starters on both the offensive and defensive line. With the secondary, it's all right, Bradley McDougald, and then who else? I mean, the cornerback situation is a little easier. You've got Trey Flowers and Shaquille Griffin there, but is your question how Shaquille Griffin going to step forward in season three? Uh, who's going to play with Bradley McDougald at safety? I mean, there's a lot of questions there yet to be answered. Number three. Third down, you were out at Brock Heward's football camp this yep. afternoon. Got to know, who was the MVP? Obviously me, but right, besides me, man, I almost want to say Dave Wyman. Dave Wyman's the MVP. Dave Wyman was He's definitely so great the MVP. He was too. so great. He got this one kid. I think this kid just kind of was a little sad because you're a lot of the kids you're working with. It was my first year doing the camp. Some of them are little Mm. and, you know, kids kind of they fall over and they get kind of scared or they worry they're hurt or maybe they, you know, they get nervous because it's a big crowd. And Dave seemed like he was so good with all the kids and him and Brock were getting kids so fired up. And it was so fun to see these two guys that we see all the time in the office, but as co-workers and it was cool to see them doing something that clearly they're really passionate about. Yeah, that's it was just their really element. fun. And then can I say the cutest moment was so one of the kids had this idea, it was this like football throw off to have uh, a team for one of two kids. So they were they were split into two groups and they went to opposite sides of the field so they could rush over when their guy won. And one kid that was like a really little kid over on our side he felt like the other side didn't have enough kids, so he ran over there even though it wasn't his team. And I was like, oh, my God, what a little star. He's amazing. Number four. Fourth down, last opportunity to get seven on the board. 
Stacy, which Seahawk would you storm the gates of Area 51 with? Curtis, I don't understand this question. So there is a internet joke going on right now that if we all storm the this gates... This is the of, oldest I've felt. If, if we all storm the gates at Area 51, they can't arrest us all. Okay. Because we got to know if aliens exist. Yeah. So which Seahawk are you taking with you to storm the gates of Area 51? I'm going to say DJ Fluker. I'm going to say he's him. so much bigger than me that I think all the attention would be taken away from me and people would be trying to stop him and then I could kind of sneak in there. I was thinking him. I was also thinking Dwayne Brown because Dwayne Brown, Same not reason. only is he the biggest human, yeah, that dude has a sharp mind as well. Super sharp. He could outsmart any guard there and also break that guard I think he could half. storm it by himself. Oh, yeah. You just hold on to one of his arms. Maybe he knows the secrets already. Whoa. We can't be saying that. I already know what my first question is going to be at training camp. (laughs) So, Dwayne, aliens, huh? (laughs) They're like, can you escort them out of here? Yeah, ma'am. Ma'am, you're going to need to leave, ma'am. God, that that would be nuts. Storming Area Fifty One, but did you see a news break that they had? uh, What's that cartoon like, Dragon Ball Z or Naruto? Sure, yeah. Man, Curtis, you're leaving me. I didn't right watch now. either of those as kids, so I mean, it's kind of lost on me. Okay. When we get back here on Seattle Sports at night, we take a look at Dwayne Brown and DJ Fluker and the rest of the offensive line. Stacy gives us her offensive line preview that she is jamming out on 710sports.com. That's next right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.